Hello and welcome back, Fight Fans, to the Neutral Corner. This is episode 193A for the week of October 26th. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. And we got a lot going on this week. Before we get into news and notes and the fight review, guys, I want to pose a question. Do we do a fight party this Saturday for Pro Gray Taylor or not? I have a feeling you guys are going to say yeah. So if you want the fight party, let me know. Uh, comment on the YouTube video here. Tweet me, DM me, whatever. Let me know what you guys think. But I think uh, that would be a lot of fun. That's a highly anticipated fight. You guys know I've been talking about that fight since last year. I thought it was going to be Pro Gray and Taylor in the World Bo- Boxing Super Series finale at 140. And here they are. Number one and number two. So I'm pretty sure you guys are going to want a fight party. I know I want to do one. I think that'll be a lot of fun. So let me know your thoughts, okay? As always, guys, share this video, share the podcast, get the word out there. And you know what I'm going to ask? Your, Your homework, your fee for this episode. I want you guys to start hollering at the ESPN Pluses, the DAZones, some of these streaming platforms and the these network platforms and telling them about the show telling them about what i'm doing because i think that we need some fresh blood in some of these commentary teams and i'm going to talk more about that in a second i think you know where i might be going with this but uh yeah that's your that's your homework that's your fee for this episode guys get on twitter get on facebook whatever it is on social and spread the word of the podcast but also let DAZN know. Let ESPN know. Some of these guys in those platforms already do know, but I want more eyes. I want more attention on the show about what we're doing here because I think what we're doing here is a real boxing show with real boxing fans discussing real boxing in an objective, fair way. And that's not happening with some of these platforms, man. So let's get right into it. You know, like news and notes, there's not a whole lot going on. We're rolling up to the end of the year. The, the schedule's already filled up pretty much. And it's going to, you know, it's going to take a couple months before they start scheduling things out for the first quarter of next year. So right now, news-wise, we're kind of in this holding pattern. We just had this great schedule that we're burning through, which is awesome, right? Uh, so not a lot of news and notes. Let's get right to last Friday, October 18th, the Accorus Center in Philadelphia, The fighting city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's a fighting city and it's brotherly love. Go figure. But top rank on ESPN Plus and in the main event, Artur Beterbiev. I didn't know if it was Beterbiev or Beterbiev, but everyone on the broadcast said Beterbiev. So we're going to go with that. Improves to 15-0 with 15 knockouts with a TKO 10 win over Alexander Vazdek. Russia beats Ukraine. Vajdek drops to 17-1, and one, was dropped three times, got up three times, but ultimately the ref stops. It saves him from himself because he was not going to quit. More on that in a second. So after eight rounds of this fight, it kind of was going the way I told you guys I thought it would go in last Thursday's preview show. I had Vajdek up five rounds to three after eight rounds. Then Better BF hit another level. And look, he had been doing some fantastic work early on. He was putting tremendous pressure on Vojtek, really, really taxing him physically and mentally, really got it done to the body. People talk about Better BF's you know, work upstairs, but it's, it's the 5-3 body work. Or, I'm sorry, I read one of you guys' comments up there. Jack doesn't like my 5-3 score. Yeah, well, Jack, two of the judges, I think, had it too wide for Vajdik, but they agreed with me that Vajdik was up, as did many of the ringside media and a lot of folks watching on TV. Vajdik was outboxing Better BF early on, but as I was just saying, great body work from Better BF. That's what really changed the fight for him. Got to pause real quick and give a quick shout out to Eric Rosas for the Super Chat Pledge. Thank you very, very much, much, Eric. He says, I appreciate the way you cover boxing. No agenda, just good boxing talk amongst others who are fans of the sport overall. Eric, I salute you. Thank you very much, my friend. That is exactly what we're trying to do here. We're trying to really create something here that matters 
and we're trying to do it without agenda or bias. Now, sometimes I criticize a fighter. Let's just call him Fighter X, who fights for Promoter X on Network X. And I might have to criticize that fighter or his management or his network at a particular time. There are going to be people on Twitter or on social media, wherever, that are going to look at that and say, I'm biased against that Fighter X, Platform X, whatever. A week or two later, maybe later in the year, I might be praising Fighter X, Management X, Promoter X, Network X, when they do something good. That same person that was calling me biased earlier in the year disappears. That's the way it happens. That's the way it works in this age of social media, hashtag activism and selective outrage. That's what we get. People have short attention spans. What is it, 140 characters? Oh no, Twitter expanded the characters. However many characters it is now, it's not enough to have a real conversation. And I appreciate you, Eric, and all of you guys here on the chat, watching the show live and listening later on, that understand that because you roll with me every week. You're on every episode. So you hear me be critical and praise different fighters, different platforms. You've heard me diss just about everybody. You've heard me praise just about everybody. You've heard me cover and report honestly, evenly, balanced across the board over the totality of my time doing this on this show. I appreciate that, guys. I really, really do because there's a lot of lazy people out there with agendas who don't do that. They find, they pick and choose a clip, a segment, a tweet, whatever it is, a sentence of an article I wrote that's 3,000 words. They'll pick up, you know, 20-word sentence and they'll take that and beat up on it. You guys consistently ride with me and that's why you get it and that's why I really consider you guys part of the family and why we're doing this together. So thank you very, very much. I have to also say thank you to Aaron Hammond for another Super Chat pledge. It looks like from the UK. Oh yeah, it is. He says, good morning from the UK. I love it. It's morning over there. It's a little after 7 p.m. here on the East Coast in the USA. He says, good morning from the UK. Love your content, Mike. It's what I look forward to every week. Why do you, who do you pick for a future Canelo versus Better BF fight and why? I got to roll with Better BF on that. that. That dude, and I was just about to get into that. Thank you very, very much, my friend. And good morning to you. Hope you're having some coffee and you're waking up. Thank you, Aaron. Um, I, I think that Better BF is clearly the best light heavyweight in the world right now. I would favor him against anybody. I would even favor him against some of the top cruiserweights right now based on what I saw. I think he could wear cruiserweight pretty well. He's not very good. I'm not going to say not very good. He's not brilliant to watch fundamentally in in terms of his skills. He's not as aesthetically pleasing as other top elite fighters. But Better Biev is crazy strong, freakishly strong for that weight. And just, it seems so far, cannot be hurt. And that's what I was going to get into with, with my fight breakdown. So I had Vojtik up five rounds to three after eight rounds. If you just look at boxing, okay, just who's scoring points, who's doing the better work consistently through three minutes of a round. And by the way, if you had it 4-4 four, four or something like that after eight rounds, I ain't mad at you at all, okay? My point is, it was a close fight two-thirds of the way through. I thought... I think I had it 4-2 after six rounds. I thought Vojtik won the first half of the fight. But clearly in the middle rounds, in the middle rounds, Better Biev started to take over in terms of momentum, in terms of the momentum of the fight. He wasn't necessarily landing as many clean punches as Vojtik, but his punches mattered so much more. It was somewhat reminiscent of what we saw in New York a couple weeks back between Derevyanchenko and Golovkin, Golovkin's punches punished so much more, uh, punished Drevyanchenko so much more. Drevyanchenko, in certain spots, in certain rounds, was outlanding Golovkin and, be, and using more movement and being a little flashier with it, a little, you know, more of a stylist, at least to the naked eye. But Golovkin was wearing him down. And that's what you saw in this fight. The difference between the two fights is that better Biev is in his physical prime and went downstairs. And I'm telling you, that right hand to the body, 
really, really bothered Vosdick more than any of the headshots. Now, of course, in the ninth and 10th round, the headshots started to take a toll. By that point, he was tired. He was worn down. His defenses were weathered. But it was the bodywork and the relentless pressure from Better Biev that really wore down, physically broke down Vajdek, who is still probably the second best light heavyweight in the world, no less than the third best light heavyweight in the world. He could probably beat Bevel. That's a close fight. Flip a coin, but he could. And I'd favor him to beat Kovalev right now. So he's no less than the second or third best light heavyweight in the world. And better be of, although he was outboxed early, keeps on coming and wore him down. So you asked before, I'm sorry, uh, Aaron, you asked before, and I don't know if it's Aaron or Iran. If it's Iran, I just saw the spelling. Uh, I, I apologize if it's Iran. Either way, Aaron, Iran, you asked about Canelo and Better BF. I just think that it'd be the same thing. Now, Canelo would go to the body very well. He'd make Better BF miss up top. But that relentless pressure, if you look at the first fight between Golovkin and uh, Canelo, Golovkin had success and ultimately won that fight, in my opinion, because of the pressure that he was able to put on Canelo. Now, he's kind of worn down a little bit between that first Canelo fight to the second one. You saw the difference. It was a year and there was physical and I think some mental and emotional deterioration a little bit. Just a little bit. And guys, at the elite level, 1% deterioration, 1% unfocused, okay, makes a huge difference at the elite level. If you're fighting, if you got a, an elite level guy fighting a mandatory that's a B-level guy, okay, fine. But at the elite level, 1%. When I say deteriorate, I'm not saying Golovkin deteriorated 50%. He deteriorated you know, 5%, 10%. That's all it takes. You saw the difference. He was not able to pressure Canelo the same way in the second fight. Better, better Biev would just pressure the hell out of Canelo. Nothing Canelo could do would hurt him. You got to take Better Biev probably by stoppage. Maybe he wouldn't be able to hurt Canelo enough. But I, I think some of those body shots would possibly drop Canelo. Seriously. I don't think it'd knock him out to the head. Canelo's head movement, way too good. But he could slow him down and break him down to the body and possibly stop him late. Size matters. You know, I talked about Canelo fighting Kovalev, how Kovalev's past his prime. He's not really that big of a light heavyweight. You saw how much smaller he was than Anthony Yard. Better Biev is a big, strong, sturdy as hell light heavyweight. Might be one of the most sturdy light heavyweights we've ever seen. The story's still playing out. We don't know. But I just think he'd, he'd ultimately wear down Canelo. Uh, so look, in the ninth round, Better Biev hit another level. And the pressure had started to finally wear Vosdig down. Really beats him up in that round. I think he even dropped him once in that round. And then he dropped him twice more, I believe, in the 10th round. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. But from what I remember, he dropped him three times. He got up. He wanted to keep fighting, but he was done. And the ref did the right thing by stopping it. The third knockdown, that was it. He stopped it. And by the way, I think if the ref would have let it continue, within the next 10 seconds, 20 seconds, Teddy Atlas was about to throw in the towel from the corner. So either way, it was about to get stopped. Which brings me to Max Kellerman. Oh, what Azie is saying, no knockdown slip. I, I th- you think you're talking about the first round. There were several pushdowns where Better Be have pushed him down and kind of mauled and grappled him down. But um, yeah, the, the first round, that was a slip. And I got to say, Pennsylvania Commission, awesome job. Awesome job using instant replay to immediately fix that ruling because it was a huge impact. It, was a, it went from a 10-9 Vojtek round to a 10-8 better be of round in a lot of other states, a lot of other commissions that just would have let that shit fly. So yeah, good job at Pennsylvania. But Vosdick, Max Kellerman, right after the fight, you know, he wasn't ringside. He was up top at a desk talking about the fights when it was all done. I think it was with Andre Ward, Timothy Bradley, Mark Kriegel. They were sharing their thoughts, this, that, the other. And Max Kellerman, just matter of fact, it wasn't a slip of the tongue. It wasn't, uh, you know, where he misspoke. He meant what he said. Clear as day. 
said that Vajdik quit in his corner after the ninth round. Mind you, about an hour earlier, top rank in ESPN broadcast uh, highlighted a, a honoring of Patrick Day with the ceremonial 10 count. Patrick Day had died literally just a couple days earlier because he wouldn't quit and because he got dropped three times and badly hurt against uh, Charles Conwell, a very heavy-handed fighter. And also ESPN broadcasted Maxim Dadashev's fight where he ended up dying, where he took a brutal beating against a much bigger, stronger uh, guy who melted down somehow to a really unnatural weight. So for Max Kellerman to use that sort of rhetoric not only shows how out of touch he is and how unfit for that job he is. And I'm going to go ahead and say it on record. There's a lot of colleagues in the business that are afraid to say that about Max because he's become so powerful with ESPN. I don't give a shit. That sort of rhetoric makes him unfit for that job. Flat out. Unfit for that job. But also it shows how out of touch he is. I don't think Max Kellerman has been inside of a boxing gym in at least a decade, maybe longer. I don't think he hangs out in gyms with fighters. I don't think he trains anymore. I, th I believe he did way, way back in his youth when he was coming up. Max used to be a real boxing guy back when he had a cable access show and he was really hungry and doing his thing. But man, that goes back over 20 years. He's no longer that guy. He's become a corporate man at ESPN. He's playing the woke game for, for financial gain. And that's really what all that is. No different than LeBron James, Steve Kerr, all those guys at the NBA with the China situation. No different than the NFL and Colin Kaepernick and that whole situation. Max is playing the woke game for financial gain. And that's how he continues to rise in power at ESPN. And he's going to die he'll, at ESPN. He'll, he'll be there for decades more until he decides to leave. Okay? He's so entrenched now there. Uh, so... I just don't think he should be covering boxing anymore. That sort of rhetoric leads to a guy like Maxim Dadashev not wanting to quit. And not only did he not want to quit in his fight where he took a brutal one-sided beating over the second half of, of his last fight, but he didn't want to quit. He didn't want to be seen as a quitter leaving the ring. He refused to be helped or carried out of the ring. He wanted to walk out of the ring by himself. He was that concerned about people calling him a quitter. Similar situation, different but similar, with Patrick Day. Dropped three times against Conwell. Again, a very heavy-handed puncher who came in as the A-side, the undefeated prospect, former Olympian who was supposed to win. Day was brought in as the opponent, right? A lot of other fighters would have said, man, I can't win this fight, and walked away. Day didn't want to quit. He wanted to go the distance because people like Max Kellerman use that sort of rhetoric. The crazy thing about it is Vosdick didn't quit. Think about this, guys. Vosdick won the WBC and lineal light heavyweight title off of Donna Stevenson last December. He defended it voluntarily all of one time before going into a unification match with a monster that's being avoided by everybody. Nobody wants a piece of Better Biev. And Vosdick goes into a unification fight with him. Better Biev deserves credit as well because he had one defense of his IBF title before going into this unification fight with Vosdick. But the fighter who had more options ultimately was Vosdick. He could have went in a different direction if he wanted to. Gilberto Ramirez just moved up. A fight against Gilberto Ramirez, who top rank represents, and they want to get him into a title shot, especially WBC, based in Mexico, lineal, hello. Obviously, he could have fought Gilberto Ramirez in Los Angeles or something, probably for more money, if he wanted to do something like that. But he goes right into a unification fight with Better BF, who nobody wants to fight. Hold, not only holds his own, but outboxes him in the first half of the fight. And gets dropped three times. Gets up three times. After the ninth round in which Max says he quit. On his stool, 
Teddy Atlas, his trainer, lit a fire under his ass to try to inspire him to keep going. But the ref asked him if he wanted to keep going. He said, yeah. By the way, the ref asked him after every knockdown, are you okay? You want to keep fighting? Yeah. Teddy Atlas, get out there. You want to fight? Yeah. He never said no. This is completely different. I saw some idiot on Twitter who is going to remain nameless because this guy is just a, a terrible human being. No other platform in the sport of boxing will work with this guy except for PBC. He does work for PBC. But he, he tweeted something trying to compare Baturbiev Vozdik to Lomachenko Rigandiao. Making it seem like, oh, you guys that were bashing Rigandiao, you're protecting Vozdik. Something to that effect. I didn't see the tweet. But no, you guys are saying ego wasn't ego. It's actually a person who has a paid job at PBC. But he was trying to compare... Now, I don't know, maybe this ego guy made a video or something. I'm talking about a tweet. But um, trying to compare those situations. Absolutely ridiculous. Guillermo Rigondeau talked shit about Vasily Lomachenko for like two years. Turned down a fight with Lomachenko at one point. A couple years later after begging and actually race baiting socially on social media. And it wasn't Rigondeau. It was one of his handlers. I should add that. But it was actually Cuban Press, which is a huge conflict of interest. They were running his Twitter account, but that's a whole nother rant for another day. But they were race baiting and doing all this stuff to get the fight with Lomachenko. Finally, they get it. Lomachenko absolutely embarrasses the guy, and he quits. He, he, it's not like he got hurt or knocked down or he was badly concussed. or He wasn't concussed. He made up an injury. I believe it was his left hand. It could have been the right you know, I apologize if I'm incorrect. I'm just going off the cuff here. I believe he said he broke his left hand. Come to find out later, he bruised a knuckle on his left hand. It was made up. He was looking for a way out because he, and for the first time in his boxing life, Guillermo Rigondeau was in the ring with somebody just a level better than him. And he knew it. And he couldn't do anything. That's a quit job. That's a quit job. What Vojdik did with Beterbiev was not a quit job. That was a guy trying to win, wanted mentally in his heart to win, but physically he had the fight beat out of him by a bigger, stronger, better fighter. That's it. Now, if this was a five-round amateur fight, Vojdik would have won. But this is the pros. This is the hurt business. We don't do five-round fights in professional boxing at the championship level. They do that in MMA. This is a marathon. You have 12 rounds. And guys, 12 rounds with a monster like Better Beev. Every single round, that pressure doubles, and then it doubles, and then it doubles. Not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, it wears on a person. And for Vojdik to be in the fight late in the fight like that and trying to will himself to keep going shows me the dude had no quit in him. His body had had enough. By the way, he ends up suffering a concussion and this is per the doctors, okay, this is not me hating on better BF, but per the medical documents, due to blows to the back of the head. That's literally what they said. He suffered a concussion, not due to blows to the chin because there really weren't any until the very last round. To, to the rough stuff, better, better be if it was doing to the back of his head. Suffers a concussion, does a night in the hospital, gets released Sunday. And Max Kellerman's trying to accuse the guy of quitting. And none of the other people on the ESPN team thought it necessary to correct that. Now, Tim Bradley will jump in occasionally and say, hey, Dre, hey, Max, I disagree with you. Hey, Joe, I disagree with this. Here's how I see it. Andre Ward will do the same thing. No one sitting right next to Max Kellerman, including two former fighters, one of whom had motor skill issues after his fight of the year, a brutal fight with Ruslan Provodnikov, where he had to retrain himself to do simple physical tasks like use utensils to eat. Did not seem, did not deem it necessary to correct Max Kellerman in that moment. Guys, That's unforgivable. Mind you, this all happened 
an hour after they honored the death of a fighter. I, I can't wrap my head around this shit. No one's talking about it. Again, Max is very powerful. With my little platform, me going up against him, I'm just asking to get silenced and smashed out because it's easy to silence a guy like me. But I have to speak about this. People can joke, oh, he he kisses Andre Ward's ass. He's always filleting Andre Ward. Okay, that's joking and trolling a little bit. This is, I'm not joking here. This is serious shit. Max should have immediately apologized. And I'm not trying to, I'm not with cancel culture. I'm not with that shit. I'm not with outrage culture. I'm just saying, I, I don't know, guys. Think about if, I'm trying to think of a, another, for one of your jobs, if, if something like this had happened uh, at one of your jobs and you had said something so completely out of touch or heard one of your colleagues say or do something like that and you didn't step in and correct them or put an end to it or speak up, you probably would get fired. You'd probably get in trouble and just nothing. He could just say these idiotic things. This isn't his stupid show first take which is for casual sports fans to just hear mindless, inane babble from two bloated idiots. That's what those shows on ESPN are and Fox Sports, all those daytime shows, that's all it is. It's just jibber-jabber bullshit. It's what the view is for women, that's what first take is for men, okay? And I understand there's some crossover. Some guys watch the view, some girls watch first take. You know, Make sure I get that out there before I get a hashtag me too. I'm just saying, this isn't that crap. This is serious shit. You just honored the death of a fighter with a ceremonial 10 count and an hour later you're calling a fighter a quitter. It's that same culture in boxing that leads to the premature either death or premature health issues of all these young men around the world. In MMA, because I talked to those fans a fighter taps out if he, hey, man, I can't do this shit. It ain't my night. I'm going to tap out. They don't call that dude a quitter. They go back and buy the next pay-per-view. There's something in boxing. There's this culture here of being macho, and you can't quit. And look, I don't like quitters. I don't like quitters at all, okay? There are, there are times where you could say, yeah, that dude phoned it in. Yeah, that dude quit. Sure, there are those times. Again, with Rigondeaux against Lomachenko. Am I going to call Rigondeaux a quitter as a human being? No, but he quit in that fight. He gave up in that fight. There's been other fights where he's shown he's got balls of steel and he's the real deal, okay? But in that fight, on that particular night against Lomachenko, he quit. It's okay. Waters quit. Yeah, but you know what? I kind of... Who's that that said that? Zakali92 said Walters quit. So you're talking about Nicholas Walters when he fought Lomachenko. Here's the difference. Nicholas Walters did the equivalent of what they do in MMA when they tap out. He basically just said, I can't beat this dude. I, like, there's nothing I can do. So I'm done. I'm just, I'm going to phone it in. I gave it my best. I cannot beat this guy. I respect that better than Rigadio saying, oh, I broke my hand. Shut up. You didn't break your hand. Just especially after years of talking shit and going to some of the low level, lowest common denominator bullshit he went to to kind of drum up interest from the lowest common denominator of fight fans to, to, to bark and bitch about getting that fight made. Ultimately, he got the fight made. It, it was almost like David Hay against Vladimir Klitschko. Laid an absolute egg. Fought a horrible horrible fight he landed two big punches two big punches in the whole fight the rest of the fight he ran like a bitch and then he blamed it on a pinky toe after years of avoiding Klitschko yet still talking shit and talking himself into a massive eight-figure payday he didn't deserve he blamed his horrible performance on a pinky toe I lost all respect I had for David Hay I gained a little bit of it back in the Tony Bellew fights I did but he was pretty much a fraud as an elite level heavyweight, in my opinion. And he proved it against Klitschko. So there are levels to this shit. All I'm saying is, okay, Max Kellerman, dude, on a national broadcast on ESPN, 
have the wherewithal, be in touch enough with your job and what you're doing to understand that what you're saying or about to say isn't going to work and hold it back. That was just, just egregious in my opinion. Just horror. And it's not the first time he said something really stupid and idiotic. But this time, it slapped the family of Patrick Day in the face. It slapped the family of Maxim Dadashev in the face. It was just an idiotic comment from a guy who's lost a step. Okay? If Max Kellerman was a fighter, yeah, he's past his best days. It might be time he thinks about hanging him up. He's not the only one. I'll say this too. All of these, oh, hold on. Jack Alter is saying, Max said Derevyanchenko was robbed recently. Yeah, that's, that's just, again, what are you watching, dude? If that's what he really said, Jack, no, I didn't see that. But if that's what he really said, that's just, that wasn't a robbery of a fight. There's plenty of other fights where we can say the word robbery. That wasn't one of them. That's just an idiotic comment. But what I was going to say is, these networks, it's not just ESPN, it's the zone. It's Fox, all of them. I think they're really concerned about having like name recognition with their commentary crew and the people that they put. So they got to have one hot girl on the broadcast to ask fighters softball questions. They, every broadcast team has to have that because I, I guess they think that's going to attract more guys. Do any guys, I'm assuming 99% of you watching this show are heterosexual men who are attracted to hot women. Do any of you order ESPN Plus or DAZN or any Fox pay-per-view because of the chick they got asking the fighters questions? Seems to me you don't. So every broadcast team has that, though. Then they also have to have the former fighter, which I understand in theory. But not all former fighters do a really good job commentating. Um I thought Roy Jones did a pretty good job for ESPN. I think Andre Ward's doing a good job for, I'm sorry, um, Roy Jones did a good job for HBO. Andre Ward's doing a good job for ESPN. I think Pauli Malignaggi does a good job for Showtime. But Lennox Lewis just isn't good. He's just not good. I li- and again, you guys have heard me say this a million times. Wonderful human being. Great fighter. Just not a good commentator, not good on the microphone, doesn't have the personality and charisma, freezes up, just not very good as a commentator. And there have been other f- fighters like that in the past. Sugar Ray Leonard, how many fights did he commentate where we had to sit through and just listen to him stutter and babble and doesn't know what the hell he's talking about? Yeah, Muhammad Ali says, and boring as shit. Yeah, I, you know, like I'm just saying, like Lennox is a wonderful guy. Kind of boring to listen to. There's not a lot of... It's like the day they were handing out pizzazz, he was busy that day. <laughs> he just... And I, again, I love Lennox. I, you know, I really, really do. But it's not the most pizzazz kind of guy. So, you know, other fighters do a good job, but not everyone does. And I think that these commentary crew, the networks are so concerned. We got to get a fighter because only a fighter understands what they're seeing. Guys, I've talked to hundreds of fighters, hundreds of fighters. And dare I say, at least half of them could not break down a fucking fight to save their lives. They could go in the ring and do it. They could go in the ring and perform. But a lot of these guys, if you ask them, hey man, how did you see this fight? And they talk about it, you're like, holy sh! You'd never know they were a boxer. You'd never know that they did this professionally. It, it, it's not as easy as it looks. And just because you used to be a pro fighter doesn't mean you necessarily know your X's and O's. A lot of these guys left that shit up to the trainer and just went out there and did what the trainer told them to do. And they can't break down a fight to save their lives. So that's another thing, these commentary crews, these networks, these platforms, that's another mistake they make is we got to have a former pro fighter on. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. ESPN has two former fighters on their broadcasts. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. Uh, and then there's, you, you got to have the big name. You got to have the Joe Tessitore. You got to have the Max Kellerman. You know, you got to have some of these, these big names, the Brian Kenny. And they do a fine job. I'm not going to sit there and bash the shit out of them. Or, yeah, Ray Boom Boom Mancini. Who is that who was saying that? Uh, Goodfellas Pulp Fiction says Ray Boom Boom Mancini sucks. 
I love Ray Mancini as a human being. Entertaining as hell fighter to watch. Not the best commentator. Just not, I remember him giving Marcos Viega shit. I can't remember what fight it was, but Marcos Viega scored the fight correctly. And it was at the end of the fight. Man, I'm sorry, guys. I just can't remember. It was a recent fight. I want to say it was on Fox. And he scored the fight correctly. And Ray Mancini gave him shit for that score and said, well, you never did this. You never got in the ring. And so you don't know what you're talking about. Ray Mancini doesn't know this, but I, I know Marcos works out. He's been in the ring. He, he, he knows what he's, he can handle himself. He's not, he's a weekend warrior like me, but Marcos isn't a clown. He's actually been in the gyms and trains and he, he know he knows his shit. Okay. I know I've seen him train a little bit. So like, Ray Mancini, just to throw that out there, it's like, dude, Ray, don't go down that road. Anyway, that's how, that, that's just what I see right now with these platforms. I think a lot of them are making mistakes because they feel they have to keep a certain formula. I think, I think the Zone and ESPN especially because they're streaming platforms. They are trying to market to young people who use apps. And, and this is this is my argument. I actually told somebody at the zone this today. We were kind of chatting on Twitter, and I told them this in a roundabout way that you guys are the demographic they're going after. You're watching this show right now on an app. Those of you who are listening later on iTunes or Spreaker, or whatever, you're listening on an app. That's what the zone is. That's what ESPN Plus is. It would make sense for these platforms to pick up guys who work in the boxing media right now through these apps and have a social media presence. Guys like me, I thought PBC did a great job when they picked up Marcos Villegas of Fight Hub TV. It's a very popular YouTube channel. And Marcos doesn't break down fights. He's never done like historical kind of videos. He just interviews fighters. That's all he does. But he's damn good at it. And he knows enough to score fights ringside. I think he's done a, a good job so far. That was a smart, intelligent pickup by PBC because that markets directly to those young fans who subscribe to Fight Hub TV and know who Marcus is. You know what I'm saying? Like that was a smart move. And you would think that the Zone, ESPN Plus would see something like that and tap into it. But so far they haven't. They want to keep the old HBO formula. Where is HBO boxing right now? It's the 21st century. It's time to switch shit up and get some new blood in the game. I'm going to go ahead and nominate myself on the list. Now, are there other people that should be higher up on the list than me? Absolutely. I'm not saying I'm the top on the list, but I'm going to go ahead and throw my hat in there in the top 10. I'm just saying, if not me, uh, someone like me that does this, that can relate to you guys who stream media and consume media and entertainment on apps. You know what I'm saying? So Jose's on here. He says Montero should be on the zone. Jose, thank you. My, my request for you and everyone watching this is to let the zone know that. Go on Twitter and start blowing them up and start telling them about me because they don't know. They don't know. Chris Bergen with the Super Chat Pledge. Thank you so much, Chris. He says, would love to see you on commentary. Hashtag sign Montero up. Thank you so much, Chris. And uh, dude, same to you, man. Let them know. Tweet at them. Tweet, tweet them. Hit them up on their Facebook, whatever it is. Email them and just say, yo, there's this guy I know. Guys, what I'm doing here, okay, this is what we call a grassroots movement, right? This is not... I don't have a sponsor. Yes, I work for Ring. Yes, I work for Boxing Monthly. But I'm not exclusive to them. Where they're gonna, and, and if I did sign exclusive to them, they're going to want me to work only with them. I stay independent so that I can work wherever I, I, I find an opportunity. So we have to let people know. We have to spread the word, right? My ultimate goal would be to get this show, The Neutral Corner, on a platform like The Zone. Could you imagine every Monday and Thursday night, this show streaming live on The Zone? The Zone has no shoulder programming. None. They have this amazing fight schedule in the fourth quarter. No news show talking about what's going on. 
They are missing a massive opportunity by not having a show like this on their platform. I already have the platform built out right here. All they have to do is pick up this show and put it on the zone. That's it. It's pretty simple. And it'd be infinitely cheaper than the money that they're throwing around uh, at, at all these fighters and commentary people, honestly. So I ask you guys, that's going to be the homework now. Let's start making, making this, this, the voice of this show heard. Let's get it out there. Let's start adding the zone, adding ESPN, hollering at the plus, hollering at the zone and letting them know what's going on here. Because I'm not trying to sound arrogant, not trying to sound arrogant. Okay. I am confident, but believe me, I know my shit stinks and I know I screw up plenty and I'm trying to get better every day, but I know I can do a better job than some of the people they have on the team right now. I know I can. And I'll say that with a straight face. So I'm ready to do this. Sorry, I didn't mean to turn this show into me preaching. <laughs> Let me get back to the fight review. I'm sorry, guys. Um, also on that card, I should mention, uh, Kudratio Abdukukarov. I hope I got that close to right. Scores a technical decision in 10 rounds over Luis Colazzo. The fight was stopped in the 10th round because uh, Colazzo had a cut over his right eye. Bad cut. Really bad cut. Uh, it, was, it was tough to see. He had a little cut on the left eye, but the one on the right eye was really bad. Accidental headbutt. Totally accidental. So they went to the scorecards. And of course, I should mention this was a welterweight fight. Abdu Kokorov wins 99-91, 98-92, 97-93. This was a good quality win for him over a good quality veteran fighter who's been in there with everybody. So this kid looks pretty good. I think he called out Errol Spence, but yeah, that ain't happening anytime soon. There was also some action Saturday, October 19th, a Golden Boy Promotions in association with Miguel Cotto Promotions card from Chihuahua, Mexico on Facebook Watch. Luis Alberto Hernandez Ramos improved to 20-0. He's a 140-pound prospect out of Mexico. And Oscar Duarte, a lightweight prospect out of Mexico, improved to 18-1 and 1. They both scored TKO wins. And a matchroom card from Newcastle, England on the zone. A battle of, oh, I talked about this last week. This is kind of a domestic matchup type battle. Luis Ritson scores a unanimous decision win over Robbie Davis Jr. in a 12-round WBA Junior Welterweight Eliminator. Scores were 116-112 twice, 117-112. This is uh, for the 140-pound WBA title eliminator. But here's the thing. I talked about this last week. Regis Progray, who has a huge fight coming up Saturday, which we'll be doing a fight party for. I'm just going to go ahead and say it right here. He's got this. He's the super champ. And then you've got Mario Barrios, who's the regular champ, who's going to have to fight a rematch against Akhmadov. And then you've got Alberto Puello, who's the interim champ. So who the hell is Robbie Davis Jr. supposed to fight now? And do you favor him to beat any of those guys? Because I sure don't. The WBA is insane. Insane. And Scott Fitzgerald stays undefeated with a unanimous decision win over the big cheese Ted Cheeseman, 116-113 twice, 115-113. Wins the BBB of C junior middleweight title. That's it for the fight review, guys. Let's get to some Q&A talk. Thursday, we're going to do the preview of uh, the big fight. We got the big fight coming up, right? But we also have a lot of other action. There's a lot going on this weekend. It is an embarrassment of riches right now with the boxing content out there. I see a few of you guys talking about uh, the Cheeseman fight. Uh, Cheeseman was robbed. I saw, look, I haven't seen that fight yet. So I, I, I can't say either way. I, I just, I haven't been able to see it. I actually was finishing up two articles for Ring Magazine this weekend. One was a last second article that I was asked to put together in honoring Patrick Day for the ring. And I had to get that to Doug Fisher in about 48 hours. I hope I did a good job in in a way, it felt like the most important article I've ever written. So um, I hope I did a good job in honoring his family. That will be in the next issue of Ring Magazine, along with an article I wrote about Alexander Usyk. So uh, when that comes out, guys, you'll have to let me know how I did. I just hope, again, that I honored him and his family well with that piece. But anyway, 
I didn't get to catch up on all the fights because I was finishing up with that last second. Uh, our deadline was actually Friday and Doug hit me up like, hey man, I know we're at deadline, but can you get me something by like Monday? <laughs> so it was one of those kind of weekends. But um, anyway, yes, I did hear that the Fitzgerald Cheeseman decision was bad. I also heard people saying the Ritson Davies decision was bad. I heard that it was bad scorecards all around on that matchroom card, but I just haven't seen it yet. So uh, let's see. Uh, Goodfellas Pulp Fiction says, imagine if Fox PBC got Skip Bayless as a commentary. Oh my God. Oh, that'd be bad. You know what? Here's the thing. Again, this isn't just Fox and PBC. This is all of them. They're so out of touch with what people want with commentary. It wouldn't surprise me if they did that move, dude. If they brought him in, it really wouldn't surprise me. You may have just saw into the future, good fellas. <laughs> uh, Delita Harrell asks, uh, who does better be every mind you of past or present? That is a great question. Great. And I'll tell you, I, I can't find a person that, you know, they, he fully compares to, right? But I will say, and some people won't like this comparison, but hear me out. There's a little bit of a prime Gennady Golovkin in Artur Beterbiev. In terms of style, no. In terms of accomplishment, no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the pressure, the relentless pressure and the body work that I think is really underrated. Golovkin has better skills, at least in his prime. He had better skills, even now, better skills than Beterbiev. Um and far more accomplished as an amateur and pro, obviously. But the way Golovkin would pressure people by just rolling downhill, watch his fight with David Lemieux and some of the fights in that era, really that was the prime Golovkin, just constantly pressuring, pressuring. And the fact that even dudes like Jacobs and Canelo would land flush punches upstairs and downstairs and Golovkin would just kind of smile and keep marching forward. And they'd be like, holy shit, what do I have to do to this guy? That is who Better Be Ever reminds me of right now in that sense. Now, again, fighting style, accuracy, no. And I actually think some people are overrating Better Be Ever a little bit right now. They're getting caught in the moment. I will admit I underrated him before this weekend. And I've, I've caught up. Okay, because I, I did underrate him a little bit. He's very crude. Uh, his punches to the head are not as accurate as people think. And he, he will hit you in the back of the head. He'll forearm you. He'll elbow you. He'll push you down. It sounds silly, but guys, just getting pushed down to the canvas five times in a fight or whatever it was with Vajdik, that takes some of your legs to pick yourself. But you're already exhausted. Imagine if you ran a freaking marathon. And five times, you know, after every five miles, somebody leaned on you and pushed you down to your knees. It sucked pushing, getting back up. So like, that's kind of what it's like. All that wears you down and then that body work. So yes, he reminds me of Golovkin, prime Golovkin in that sense. And it's going to be just a, a hard task for anybody in that division to beat this guy. Now, he is 34, he could get old overnight, but he didn't have 300-plus amateur fights like Golovkin. He hasn't had what I think Golovkin's had almost 40 professional fights. Better Biev has not. So I think he will age better. He's only had, what, 15 pro fights. So I, I think he will stay preserved longer than Golovkin did. Let's see. Fastle 27 brings up a great point. He says, his skill set is limited, but he's smarter and has a higher IQ than people think. I completely agree with you, Fastle 27. And that's where I admit I underestimated him. I fully admit it, underestimated him. He was thinking in there against Vosdick. He saw something to the body. He wasn't going to the body hard early. But after being outboxed a little bit, he saw Vosdick guard was up top. Vajdek was really looking for those looping punches, particularly the right hand, because that's what Better Biev is advertised for, right? Those looping, chopping right hands. And he saw, man, I got this dude. This dude's elbows are way up in the air. Let me just smash that body. And instead of bending down, dipping to his left and throwing the left hook, which would give Vajdek, who is 
probably more athletic and faster, definitely faster with his feet, that would have given Vojtek time to react and catch that shot. He just shot straight rights to the gut over and over and over. And Vojtek would have his elbows up and boom, he'd get right under those elbows and nail him with that right hand, not giving Vojtek enough time to react. That was a beautiful adjustment. It showed he was thinking. <laughs> Good fellas says Ryan Garcia is the WBC, WBA, WBO, pound for pound, number one shadow boxing champion of the world. Yeah, yeah, man. Th- th- those those vignettes on you know on Instagram are pretty damn cool. Uh Marshall Ministry asks, why is Aram after Bevel for Canelo Kova before Canelo Kovalev has happened yet? Is he in the results of that fight? I assume diehards would much rather prefer seeing better Biev, Crusher, once and for all. Uh, look, I, no, I, I'm not going to go that far. I just, I think it's because, um, probably because he thinks Bevel is a better challenge for Canelo than Kovalev is. I think that's why. And because he'd rather see Kovalev not fight Canelo, maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's going to be a good money-making fight for Kovalev, so I shouldn't say that. Uh, DS Kennels 210 asks, Mike, another month, another crazy De La Hoya allegation. If you were a Golden Boy Promotions, if I was at Golden Boy Promotions, would you ask for a release? So look, Oscar De La Hoya is the face of Golden Boy Promotions, but Eric Gomez and several other people are the business of it that keeps the train rolling. So... Oscar may be this crazy, wacky, have this crazy, wacky personal life. And, but trust me, behind the scenes, Eric Gomez and the crew, they're full steam ahead and they're doing just fine. I saw the allegations with Oscar, Oscar De La Hoya. It was reported on TMZ. I don't really trust TMZ as a news source. Uh, I've reported on plenty of the craziness with Oscar. You guys have heard me on the show talk about it. The guy, he, he's known in the greater Los Angeles area to show up at bars plowed out of his mind and make an ass of himself. He's got demons and he's got substance abuse issues. And I'm just going to pull back and reserve judgment until we see what comes out with these allegations, because it seems like right now everyone's being accused of sexual abuse or whatever. Let's just see what comes of this. Okay. Before we jump to any conclusions, Gail Falkenthal said, Aram thinks ahead. He sees a lot longer shelf life for Bevel, not so much for Kovalev. It's a better business play. Ig freaking Zachly Gale. That's why you are the first lady of MOB after Tiffany Lamb, of course. <laughs> but um, you know your stuff, and I completely agree. I, I mean, down the line, and actually I think it would be a more entertaining fight down the line that they could build to um, and maybe do it at a better weight for everybody involved. So... Let's see. Gail says, TMZ is actually very accurate. All they do is pull court findings. Now it's a fact. Anyone can make allegations in court, true or not. Yeah, true that. (laughs) DS Kendall says, bro, a hairbrush though, LOL. I'm leaving that one alone. Hashtag utensils, leaving that alone. John Uden says, Mike, not to blame Atlas at all. Just curious to see why Papachenko doesn't work with Vazdik and Usyk anymore. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think some of that is perhaps um, those fighters wanting to do things a different way. A different system, a different plan, a different vision for the future. But uh, yeah, they're doing it their own way. Look, so far, things are working out just fine for Alexander Usyk. As far as Vazdik... There is no shame in losing to the guy who's clearly the best light heavyweight in the world right now. Again, I still think he's the second or third best light heavyweight in the world. I think that, look, I'd love to see Vajdik fight Bevel. I'd love to see him fight the winner of the Canelo Kovalev fight. I'd love to see him fight any of the top guys at light heavyweight, Gilberto Ramirez included. Let's see it. You know, the titles will get broken up at some point. There will be WBA will have a vacant title down the line. And if Vajdik fights Gilberto Ramirez for that or something, you telling me you wouldn't want to see that shit? I know I do. But I can't tell you why, man. Why? Um, look, I, I thought Teddy Atlas had Vajdik very well prepared. 
and he fought very well. He fought his heart out. It just wasn't enough. And there's, you know, sometimes, guys, it's just not enough. It's just life. Let's see. MJB Taco showed up late today. Hey, man, it's okay. You showed up. It's okay. We forgive that. <laughs> you showed up, brother. Red King, 1984. Yard versus Better Biev could be a good fight. Whew. You must not like Anthony Yard very much. You must have a real disdain for Anthony Yard. You saw what Kovalev did, and that was just off a jab. Kovalev has nothing left in his repertoire except his left jab. Body shots, nope. Right hand, nope. Left hook, no. Uppercut, no. It's pretty much just a jab. Better Biev would just mow that kid down. Remember, he don't do sparring. Yeah, that wouldn't end well. Uh, Romania Mike says, do I love Pauly as a commentator? I think Pauly does a great job. I think Pauly does a fantastic job. He is a former fighter who can remove himself from the situation and not make himself part of every single conversation like some other former fighters do. And he can actually break down what's going on in the ring and he can uh, relay it to fans in a way that they can understand. I think Pauly does a great job. Tim Nick says, Price, I assume you're talking about David Price, is hoping for a retirement paycheck. Not a good boxer. We will talk about that on Thursday's show, my man. Let's see. Um, all right, DS Kennels 210. Seems like the hype behind Teofimo Lopez has died down as top rank pulled back a bit. I think people on Teofimo's team have pulled him back a bit and quieted things down because they're up for their first real challenge and there's huge business potential big business down the road they can't screw this shit up so um i think he's been humbled a little bit which was the best thing that could have happened to him crazy humbled in a dominant victory which sounds insane but that's boxing fans for you same thing happened to dimitri bivol recently right in his fight in chicago last week that might be the best thing for these guys is to get humbled a little bit but for Tifima Lopez, yeah, I think his handlers are pulling back a little bit and saying, dude, let, let's chill out a little bit. Let's quiet down. Let's stop, you know, all the noise, all the hoopla, and get back to basics. I think that's good for him. <laughs> Suleiman asks, Chisora versus Progray, who wins? I'm not even going to answer that. <laughs> Luis Garibay says, Regis versus Taylor prediction Thursday. Thursday's the preview show, Luis. We'll see you then, my man. Boxing Machamp asks Billy Joe Saunders where he at. I'll tell you where he at. He's going to be fighting on the KSI Paul Logan undercard. That's what it's gotten to for Billy Joe Saunders. And it's all his fault. Paulo says Beaster Biev is going to suffer from a ducking fest for years, prime Golovkin style. Yeah, I can see that happening. The thing is, he does have two belts. Maybe that helps him. I will tell you this. Dimitri Bivol put it out there publicly. He'd love to fight him. Dimitri Bivol ain't scared of nobody. He's Russian. Better be of his Russian. And he publicly on his social media congratulated him, Dimitri Bivol did, and said he'd like to fight him. And I believe him. So if something can be worked out, like the Maurice Hooker, Jose Carlos Ramirez situation, that was between ESPN and the zone, and they figured it out. If that can happen, where we see Bevel and Better BF next spring, holy shit, sign me up for that. Uh, Fessel 27, Mike, news on Errol Spence. No news on Errol Spence other than he is facing DWI charges. That's it. All right, guys, let's do one more question and then we're going to bounce out. We've been going here for about an hour now. So that's usually our, our time to break. Um, John Uden brings up a great point. Mike, better be of attack on Vajdek reminded me of sore rugby side against Chocolatito. Very, very good comparison. I like it. Here's the only part where I disagree with it. Chocolatito was well past his best years in fighting at a weight that was too heavy for him, right? He started at 105 
it moved up 10 pounds. 10 pounds doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're 105, 10 pounds is almost 10% of your body weight. So think about that. That means, you know, if you uh, start out at 200 pounds, you're fighting guys now that are 220. That's a hard task in doing that at such an advanced age. So, so Sora Rungvisai beat down an old faded man who is a smaller man naturally. Better Biev broke down a prime, undefeated, actually two years younger fighter in Vajdek. So to me, I know this is going to sound crazy. It's even more impressive what Better Biev did against Vajdek than what Sora Rungvisai did against Chocolatito. Although in that rematch, that knockout was devastating. Absolutely devastating. I saw that ringside. Whew. Saw wrong because I smoked him. Okay. Romanian Mike says, I don't agree with Canelo fighting Kovalev, but we'll watch it. Yep, and we'll do a live fight party for that one. We'll make it fun. Guys, on that note, we're going to end this episode. Remember your homework. Remember your fee. Other than smashing that like button and sharing this episode, let's start hollering at the zone. Let's start making sure that they can't forget my name, that it haunts their dreams. All right, let's get the word out. Thank you so much, guys. I love you guys for watching and supporting the show. I'll see you Thursday night. See you at the fights.